This is the Tech Arts Podcast, where we talk about tech, leadership, and all things that concern church audio, video, and lighting. Welcome to the Tech Arts Podcast. My name is DL. Today is going to be an awesome episode. You don't want to miss a second of it because we have Todd Elliott, who is the founder of Philo, on today's podcast. Todd and I get into a discussion about the Sabbath day and burnout. Finding a day of rest for a technical artist is tough, especially one who volunteers on a weekend and works during the week. So we're going to figure out how to handle that on today's episode. Also, we're going to get into burnout. It's common among techs. What are the signs of burnout and how do you address it? So you don't want to miss today's podcast. It's going to be an amazing one. But before we start talking to Todd, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Digital Great Commission Ministries. Whether you need help building a team, finding the right gear, or just better understanding the church tech world, DGCM is here for you. Because they are a 501c3 donor-sponsored organization, they come to your church for free and do an assessment of your tech, visitor engagement, and online streaming. They also offer essential classes that will help every member of your tech team. Now, while most of what DGCM offers is free, one paid service they provide is what DGCM calls technical support. You secure access to over 300 training videos. You also get tech support by getting the ability to have Zoom meetings with industry professionals, access to engineers that can help you with your AVL issues, and more. You get all of this for only $99 a month. To find out more about this $99 a month plan, send us an email at information at digitalgreatcommission.org. That's information at digitalgreatcommission.org. Or you can go to our website, audiovideolighting.com. The bottom line is this. DGCM is all about helping churches understand how to use the instrument of technical gear to reach their congregations. You have to check out all of their resources, training, and consulting options and you do that by going to audiovideolighting.com. So contact Digital Grade Commission Ministries today by going to audiovideolighting.com. All right, if you're a technical artist, pastor, worship leader, or just someone who wants to learn and better yourself, you must get your hands on this book. It's called I Love Jesus, But I Hate Christmas. This is an in-depth book that tackles the challenges of being a church technical artist, but I personally feel it helps everyone understand and develop when it comes to being a better leader. For example, the chapter, If You Can Do It, Do It. If You Can't, Don't. Great statements like that. Or this one, which says, Don't say it's impossible, then turn around and do it. Or give yourself time to think. Don't respond immediately and be negative. These are life statements, not statements that just apply to being a technical artist. So be sure to secure the book today by going to philo.org or by going to amazon.com. Again, the name of the book is I Love Jesus, But I Hate Christmas. It's a great name for a book. You got to pick it up today. Secure your copy for you and your team at amazon.com. Okay. On today's podcast, we have Todd Elliott from Philo. I'm so excited to talk to him. Todd is a writer. He's a speaker, technical artist in the local church, and founder of Philo. 
Philo was born out of Todd's need as a technical artist in the local church to be in community with other church tech people, to learn new ways of doing things, and to be inspired that what he did mattered. The more Philo-type people he met, the more convinced he was that these are things we all need. That's why Philo exists, to equip, encourage, and inspire technical artists in the local church to become the best versions of ourselves. Formerly the technical arts director at Willow Creek Community Church, he started Philo in 2015 to help other technical artists become more effective so that the local church can be more effective. <laughs> in his free time, this one's this one's a cool one. Todd enjoys being inspired by Winston Churchill speeches and visiting the grave sites of US presidents. Please welcome to the Tech Arts Podcast, my friend Todd Elliott. Hey David, how's it going? <laughs> All right. So listening to Winston Churchill speeches <laughs> yeah. and visiting the grave sites of presidents, that cracked me up a oh little bit. Gosh. But here's why yeah. it cracked me up. When I read that I thought, man, I I kind of like doing that too. I like doing yeah. history too. We're getting old, man. We're getting old. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, usually my wife makes fun of me for both those things, uh, but uh, yeah, nothing can get me emotional like a Winston Churchill speech. Uh. <laughs> yeah, he was he was a great speaker. I sometimes worry that our you know the younger generation doesn't even know who Winston Churchill is, but right. he's a Look great guy to study. You should go read his speeches. He's got some good uh, <laughs> yeah. some good one liners too. So he yes, some he does. Good comebacks there. <laughs> <laughs> so there's got you got to there's got to be more out there that you do for fun. Come on, Todd, tell me. Besides visiting <laughs> presidential grave sites, what else do you like doing for fun? Yeah, I mean, I what do I like doing for fun? Well, I mean, um, I love uh, yeah going on walks with my wife and dog. Uh, that's a, kind of a normal thing now. Um, and uh, I also really love um, European football, as we might say in the United States, soccer. So. Uh, I have a couple teams I follow, so that's usually how I'm spending, uh, you know, Saturday morning. Uh, all the games come on, you know, for us in the morning because they're happening at night uh, in Europe. So get my games out of the way in the morning and, uh, yeah, have the rest of Saturday. Yeah, so, you know, Todd, with your Willow Creek background, I think everybody knows you're from Chicagoland. But tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I've been married for almost 30 years now uh, to my wife. Uh, her name is Bissy. With a B. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. That is um, a feat nowadays. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I mean, um, I think we would joke that it's been 29 year, uh, happy years, and uh, that first year was pretty rough. Um, but uh, yeah, so I've uh, been married for almost 30 years, have three children, uh, a son, Grant, 26, who lives uh, nearby, um, a daughter, Sydney, who's 24, also lives in the area, and then I have a son, uh, 20, who uh, still living at home. Uh, but he's uh, anxiously trying to get out as fast as he can. So, so you're almost uh, an empty nester, right? Yeah, I mean, for off for as often as I actually see him, uh, it feels like the nest is empty. But uh, yeah, uh, it's definitely a different uh, phase of life for sure. I I'm not sure what I expected it to be, but it's. Uh, I mean, the kids are out and doing their own thing, which doesn't make it any easier to be a parent. You know, it's like uh, you're still worried about your kids and want the best for them and. Um, yeah, just a different version of it. My son's 15, but same, same thing when he's out, even when he's out playing, I'm like, is he okay? Everything good? Can't imagine when he's out driving and kind of doing <laughs> right. things on his own. Yeah. A full-time job and, you know, having a car payment and living in an apartment. Yeah. All those things just like, 
I hope they're okay. <laughs> but they got to, I mean, they got to grow up and learn. And so they got to do life. That's right. The challenge is to let go enough to let them do it for themselves. So, yeah. Well, I intentionally left this out of the bio, but, um, you know, and I mentioned Philo, I didn't mention what it stood for. So why don't you tell everybody what Philo stands for and kind of let, I'd like to know, like, when did God lay that on your heart? I'd I'd like to know a little bit behind it. I mean, people probably know what it is, but kind of tell us what it stands for and how it was laid on your heart. Yeah, yeah. So Philo stands for first in, last out, which is an accounting term if you're an accountant or if you're into uh, supply chain uh, sort of uh, logistics, it also uh, comes from that. If you're a Marine or a firefighter, also something that you know very well. But um, somewhere along the way, it it just uh, I started writing a blog maybe in 2006, so going back a ways, and that was the name uh, for the blog, First In, Last Out. And so just something that I felt was uh, very uh, descriptive of what we do in the local church. So if you're on staff or volunteer – you're kind of uh, you're the first one in, you're the last one out. No one really knows what you're doing, or how you spend your time, or how hard it is. Um, but that idea of being first and last out is something that I think all tech people um, can resonate with. Um, when I think about you know when uh, the idea of Philo was laid on my heart, I would have to say this is also going back into the late '90s. Uh, so I was a, a TD at a local church. And I just felt like I had no idea what I was doing. I, uh, you know, I was leading people, which I didn't know how to do that, but also doing, you know, technology things that I had, I had no clue how to do some of those things. But I was the, you know, the best person for it uh, in my church. And and back then just, it was duct tape and chewing gum, oh, right? In the nineties, there was no yeah, HD the 90s, or anything. In the 90s, I we had, uh, you know, how we talk about slides, you know, like lyric slides and that sort of thing. <laughs> Uh, when you talk about them now, you're talking about ProPresenter. Uh, yeah. Back in the 90s, they were slides. They were actually slides. Actual Class slides. slides. Yeah. yeah. And I tell you what, the we had a volunteer that was so good at following the worship leader with that slide carousel. Like she would, she knew how to follow, you know, like if he skipped a verse or whatever, she could find the next slide yeah. somehow. Anyway, um, that's like a whole nother podcast probably. Yeah. But the... Um, Dating ourselves too. <laughs> right. The The... It really, for me, it boiled down to I was just looking for who, who can I talk to that that uh, could help me figure this out. You know, somebody who's done it, who's further down the line than me. And so I just cold called a bunch of big churches. Uh, I think I called Information, so also dating me. I called four one one. Hey, give me the number to Saddleback or Willow Creek or whatever. Um, just trying to find somebody to talk to. Um, and just felt uh, a great sense of community with those people and realizing that the people I did talk to kind of were dealing with the same things I was, you know, but they were, you know, 15 or 20 years ahead. Um, and I, I uh, decided it would be good to gather people. So I was in the Detroit area at the time to gather all, uh, you know, people who wanted to get together who were tech people um, just to hang out and have community. And so in 2001, uh, in February, I think it was, just like put out a postcard, also dating myself, uh, to all the, ch- you know, 200 churches locally. And I think we had 250 people show up. It was just like not what I was expecting. But I realized that here are all these people that are having the same challenges as I am. 
And they're all, you know, looking at our church thinking, oh, man, you guys have it all together. And I'm just thinking, oh, my gosh, if I'm if this is something I need and here's 250 people who also need it, this is probably a bigger need than, you know, just my own personal life. And so, yeah, just started that began kind of the idea of gathering tech people together to talk about stuff that matters to to just encourage each other. And um, yeah, this answer is turning into much longer than you probably thought. But the eventually, uh, fast forward to 2014, at the end of 2014, I had left my job at Willow Creek. Uh, it was just felt like it was time for something new. I had no idea what that something new was. I just like quit my job. I wouldn't recommend it uh, to most people. But um, yeah, and then just like, hey, I think this thing that it's been a part of my life uh, since 2001, every year trying to figure out ways to gather tech people together. Uh, let's try and keep doing it. And maybe we we, might, we need to come up with a name for it. And so Philo became the name. It was like a, I think it was a two minute conversation picking the name uh, just because of the, um, of the blog that I had uh, previously. And yeah, so we've been at it ever since. You know, I, I like the name Philo. I think it really identifies what a technical artist is. Um, and, you know, the fact that you said 250 people showed up way back in the 2000s, I think there's always been a yearning to kind of figure out how do we be an effective technical artist, um, not burn ourselves out, have the appropriate Sabbath day. And we all have a lot going on. I follow you. You have a ton going on between the Willow Creek Leadership Conference, the different productions that you're working. And I know a lot of technical artists look at us and look at you and, you know, they're working jobs with 40 to 60 hour weeks. And then they come in and they work the weekend volunteering or, you know, maybe, yeah. you know, maybe they're on staff or whatever. And it's just, it's, it's a crazy work week. And in terms of a Sabbath day, they hear their pastor get up and say, hey, take a Sabbath. You need to take a Sabbath. And they just kind of roll their eyes and go, <laughs> I mean, how do I do that? So yeah. I'm kind of curious. I mean, your, your schedule, my schedule, you know, it's a seven day a week schedule. It's juggling yeah. different days. And, and so I'm, I'm curious on two points. Number one, like how important is a Sabbath? You know, I've heard guys say, whatever, I just don't have time for it. So that's kind of question number one. I'm curious of your thoughts on that. And then number yeah. two, I mean, how do you, how do you handle Sabbath day? Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, this is maybe a weird uh, way to answer your question, but uh, you said it in my bio. Like, I I really love Winston Churchill speeches and you know burial locations for U.S. presidents. Like the that speaks to the fact that I I have hobbies, I have things that I'm interested in outside of what I do. Um, I think for so many years production in the church was my passion. That's the thing I loved more than anything. And so I would spend seven days a week working on that stuff. Um, the, uh, there are two problems with that or challenges. One is uh, my uh, when I was engaged to be married, my fiance was like, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of this whole seven day a week thing. How about some time for me? And I kind of justified it as like, well, I mean, we're doing God's work and, you know, I love it. And, um, you know, People could get saved if I work this extra, you know, little bit, and so it's it's um, it's real easy to justify the 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 consequences of not working, um, I guess. And um, I've already forgotten what the second thing I was going to mention about it. Uh, but the for me, and you know, going back to being married for thirty years, my wife was was 
pretty great working with you know the two of us working together on what works for us. What do we need as a couple, as a family? How do we structure our lives in such a way to survive this you know crazy schedule of doing production in the local church? And so it was really a team effort for for us to uh, yeah to last this long and. Um, she did a great job of saying, hey, it's, you know, we need to come up with a plan for how you're going to take time off um, and not just keep working, working, working. Um, I guess I did think of the second thing I was thinking of is that if the thing you're most passionate about is the thing you, you're always thinking about, there's a, I feel like there's a benefit to thinking about something different for a while, to have something else that captures your attention, whether it's your family or another hobby, just to give your brain a break from, you know, thinking, thinking, thinking all the time about how I'm going to solve these problems and how I'm going to, you know, there's a flicker on the TV in the mother's room, like how am I going to solve that? Like you've been thinking about just like give your brain a break and, you know, chances are you wake up in the middle of the night one day and you'll have the solution. Um, if you just give yourself a break, yeah. I think you hit it there. I think it's resting your brain. You know, um, I know people who will do a Sabbath day, uh, stay up till two in the morning, you know, just, you know, work, 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 what they consider fun stuff, but then they have to go back into work the next day at 8 a.m. and they're they're completely not rested. So I think you hit the key there. It's 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 rest your brain. It's find things that allows you to disconnect. It's not laying in bed all day, you know, and resting yeah, in yeah, terms yeah. of like sleeping all day. I mean, it's not necessarily that. I think that's good to do every now and then. But I think it's really resting your brain and finding a day, a time period when you can do that and allow yourself a time to, you know, that word disconnect in a way that's effective to allow your brain to rest. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, I mean, if you could take it even a step further, I think um, uh, there's a book out there called uh, Healthy Spirituality. Uh, talks about uh, Sabbath, taking a Sabbath, and they will take it to um, Pete Scazzaro is the name of the author. I'm just like searching my brain for his name. He talks about just like uh, only saying yes to the things that you want to. Uh, on the Sabbath. That's what it means to him. Like, I don't know anybody who lives in a world where that's possible. Um, <laughs> you know, just with all the demands of family and, and whatever else, house projects or, yeah, whatever. But there's something really uh, interesting about that idea of um, how could I spend a day, you know, doing the things that fill me up. If you had to pick a day, Todd, like what, what day is your Sabbath day? <laughs> Um, I would say currently it's probably Saturday, um, unless uh, I'm working on Saturday, um, and then it's Sunday, unless I'm working on Sunday, or you know maybe volunteering on Sunday, or you know. And so the challenge really is to uh, to make it a priority to say, oh, I'm working Saturday and Sunday this weekend. I'm going to take Monday as a Sabbath day. Um, I think I'm in a little bit of a different uh, place in that a lot of the, work, the, the life I live now, I'm maybe more in control of than I was when I worked at a church. Um, at a church, you know, you've got events coming and somebody else is setting the schedule. And, and so it's up, it was up to me to build a structure that supports that work, but also uh, gives me the, the, um, the Sabbath that I need. Uh, you know, I need to fight for that. Um, now I feel like uh, I need it's more of a discipline to say no to things or 
to make sure that, okay, um, I have a crazy week coming up. And so I got to give myself a day or two of a weekend somewhere in here. And I'm probably going to let people down uh, by doing it, but it's what I need. And I think wherever you're, wherever you are in, you know, life, if you're a business owner or a working at a church uh, as a tech person or, you know, doing a full-time job and volunteering, it's really up to us, each of us individually to define what is, what does a Sabbath look like and how I'm going to, how do I need to structure my life to, to, to have one? Yeah. You know, you used a word there, structure. I think a lot of times we in life think Sabbath days are just going to come to us. Right. Yeah. And uh, I'm in the same boat. Like, you know, uh, you know, Sunday's my Sabbath day, unless, unless I'm working on Sunday, then I have to move it around. Well, what I try to do is I try to schedule it. I try to actually put it on yeah. my calendar. You know, I do the same thing with my quiet times with the Lord. You know, if I, if it's not on my calendar, I just don't, I don't do it. And uh, that's right. a flaw, you know, probably with me, but I put it on my calendar and make sure that it's scheduled. You can literally go through my calendar and here's a Sabbath day. Here's um, you know, when I'm going to be praying my quiet time, so on and so forth. Because uh, if I don't do that, I just miss it. And I just keep going and going and going and going. And so I think that word that you use structure is very key. I think a lot of times as technical artists, we, sh we structure everything in our life, <laughs> except for those two things, quiet right. time and yeah. Sabbath. And then we are just like, well, it'll just come. It's just a spiritual thing. It'll just come out of me. Right. And that's, that's just not the case. Well, and I think too, the, uh, you know, part of the interesting thing to me is that we live in a world as a technical artist in the local church, we're building structures to support what's happening around us. Um, but it's kind of um, like um, it's imposed upon us or like somebody else is coming up with, we're going to do a service on Sunday. We're also going to do one on Wednesday. We're going to have a Bible study on Tuesday. And so we build a structure to support those things. But the thing about the Sabbath is that's for me. Um, and that feels like, uh, it feels weird to schedule something for me or yeah, to build structures selfish. around. Yeah. yeah. Um, when there's work to be done, you know, uh, or the family uh, to take care of or whatever. Um, I think it's just, it's, it feels selfish. Yeah. Yeah. It comes across that way, but be, taking time for yourself, I think is very important. It's biblical. That's why we even use the word sure. Sabbath. So I think, you know, you have to schedule that. You have to do your best. And look, you know, there's going to be some weeks where it's going to get missed. It just happens. You know, there's yep. going to be, you're going to have those 10 day stretches pushing into Christmas and, you know, whatever the production is that you're working on and, and, you know, you're sat, you're just tired, but you have to, you have to take time after that to rest and recuperate. And I, you know, somebody told me once, um, you know, your son's only going to be seven once your son's only going to be 10 right. once. Um, family and that Sabbath time is very important. I would almost tell people if, if you have a job that like for year after year after year is going to take your Sabbath day from you or take your family time from you, look for a different job. Yeah. And it's, it's a rough thing to say. And notice I said year after year. Yeah. And there's time periods where you may go three month stretches where things are just tough and they are what they are. There's seasons. We get it. Right. For we sure. We all understand that. But if it's just a constant grind, I think that's uh, that's where you, you sometimes need to make a decision for yourself and your, for your family because yeah. you'll never get those years back. I think, too, there, that um, I think it was Jack Welch who used to be the CEO of General Electric. He did, you know, maybe wasn't a perfect leader. But one thing he said was that, you know, your boss or your leader wants you to live a balanced work, you know, have a work-life balance that's healthy. 
but they also want you to figure it out. Like no one's going to do it for you. And so I think, you know, the, if you're a volunteer, your team leader, they don't want you to burn out, but they also don't know what, what that means. Like how, how often do you need to serve for that not to happen? Yeah, that's something that's that, true. you know, um, and if you're an employee, same thing, you know, it's like I, to speak up when, you know, something last minute gets scheduled on your day off, not just let it go. Um, because somebody knows that they're asking on my day off. Yeah, they probably don't. Yeah. You know, I, I've found that most bosses that I've worked for, um, and I know there's some bad bosses, some bad leaders, yeah, I yeah, get it, yeah. but most don't want to drive you into the ground because then they right. get nothing. Right. And so when they say, Hey, can you come in and it's your day off? Um, I have found that when you just say, Hey, uh, you know, I've blocked this for some family time. It gives them the opportunity to make a decision. Wait, do I have somebody else that maybe could do this? Or man, I really need you to do this. And if they hear themselves, and most bosses I've worked for, if they hear themselves saying that two or three times a month, they reconsider what they're asking for. And a lot of times we'll go ask for more staff or more volunteers coming off of that. But if we don't say anything and we just do it, they are not put in a position where they can make a decision for what's best for you. Yeah, I love that. I love the just the idea that um, if you don't give your boss a chance to pull back the the uh, the ask because it's your day off, then they have no idea that they're violating anything. And so to go into that uh, making the decision together to say, hey, this is my normal day off. I have plans with my family. If you need me to come in, I will. But let's decide this together. Um, because otherwise, yeah, your day off is going to get violated every day of the, you know, every week of the month, uh, if you don't say something. Yeah. And, uh, I, th- I think that's key. I think you have to, you know, give that opportunity to, to your leaders, uh, to allow them to look out for you. And if they don't know, they just don't know. We don't know what yeah. we don't know. And they're going to continue to ask because the church doesn't stop. It's a seven day a week, yeah. seven day a week job. And we have to protect yeah. that. But, you know, I mean, I think just one more thing on that, like if giving your boss the opportunity to actually violate your uh, your um, your Sabbath on a weekly basis, like give them that opportunity. If that's the kind of boss they want to be, then you need to make a decision about maybe going somewhere else versus how I think a lot of us or how I did it was I just never gave them the chance to make that choice. Yeah. Um, but like you said, uh, pretty much every boss I've worked for, they're like, yeah, no, let's, you know, I, I, I don't want to be violating this all the time. Yeah. yeah. What's interesting is, um, if, if it is violated all the time, if you're not able to have a Sabbath day, what's interesting is I, I haven't come across a technical artist and maybe they're out there, but I haven't come across one that's like, I hate doing what I'm doing. Right. They're all, everybody's right. like, yeah. this is my passion. This is what I love doing, yeah, but yeah. I just get tired. And they, they put 100% passion into it. And I think we know that when you do that, that can lead to burnout. And you mentioned the word burnout when you were talking about Sabbath and rest and kind of working with your wife to kind of figure out what that day is going to be and how it's going to look like, talking to your boss, pushing back a little bit in a, in a, in a professional way to say, hey, this is, this is my day. But, you know, a lot of young technical artists don't get that and they just go, 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 go. This is what I want to do for a living. I want to make you know, money doing this. I want to, this is what I want to do. They have 100% passion mm-hmm. and it starts to lead to burnout. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious your advice on dealing with burnout. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, for uh, As an example, so coming up in a couple of weeks, I have uh, 
well, let me back up. August was very tough for me from a work standpoint of working uh, crazy hours, not a whole lot of t- days off. You know, just we all have those times. And then just, you know, waking up one day and feeling like I just don't want to go to the office today or I just, oh, God, I just need a break. Um, and so what I, uh, my wife was like, do we need to like be concerned about this or, uh, or what? And so I guess the first thing is that, you know, my wife is still in it with me, like noticing, okay, you're like a little shorter with the, ki- you know, with me and with the kids, as far as your temper goes and that's like accountability and accountability yeah, yeah. partner. I mean, she's kind of helping you for saying, sure. Ooh, I'm seeing something. Yeah. And so then, uh, what I did was I, I have an, an event coming up. Um, in Colorado. And so I, I just booked a hotel for a couple extra nights in the mountains to just give myself like, okay, I'm going to give myself some quiet and, and take my journal and see, you know, see, see what God has to say to me uh, in the, you know, in the quiet and just making time. I probably don't do it as often as I uh, should, but a couple times a year, just like, being still and asking God, is this, am I still, am I doing what you want? Is this your plan for my life? Um, yeah. How do I, uh, how could I do it more effectively? Just asking bigger questions than I'm just going from thing to thing to thing to thing. Um, but trying to learn how to be, um, still to hear God's voice, but also how do I be more strategic with the time I do have? Yeah. I think there was, there was three things there. I heard one accountability, you have somebody in your life. And I think if you're not married, have somebody in your life who can help you uh, be accountable for your attitudes and for what you're doing. Second thing is you mentioned kind of getting away. I think that's an awareness of what all is going on in your life, you know, getting away and, you know, in your case, journaling and writing down, Hey, what, what do I got coming up? What's going on in the past? How have I handled this? You, you're kind of being self-aware. I think self-aware is a term that, you know, is lost on today's society, <laughs> but being self-aware of what, how you're coming across and what's going on inside of you and how you're interacting with the Lord mm-hmm. and at that moment and at that time, which yeah. is allowing you to identify, am I, am I starting to burn out? Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it's, uh, it's it's a little bit counterintuitive to how I used to think about uh, doing work. You know, working seven days a week, just cranking out the work, work, work. the The reality is that I can be a much better version of myself if I if I if my life is paced at a sustainable rate. You know, if I if I'm taking a Sabbath once a week, or if I'm getting away to think about things that are bigger than just the task that's right in front of me. Um, I even think about just you know leading production teams and you know especially in the local church it's like if all you're doing is the next event the next event the next event and not thinking about why am i why are we doing this why are we doing it this way um uh, you know uh is there something more behind it are there values and mission and and all this stuff that if you're not giving yourself time to think about that stuff for your own life um i think that's what can lead to burnout is just being unaware of like what really matters to me and what am I, you know, how has God designed me uh, to do to do life? And maybe I'm working in an area that doesn't fit with that. Um, and I would say for me, that was um, a lot of my uh, kind of wrestling when I did leave Willow Creek was just like, I don't think this fits who I am, you know, what God has for me anymore. I don't know what <laughs> what the next thing is, but 
you know, it's it, and so if I hadn't stopped long enough to say I'm headed for burnout, I need to think about what you know, um, yeah, what what bigger picture? Why am I doing this? Yeah, I mean the things we do change over time. You know, a lot of us look and we say, hey, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And I don't think that's how God works. I think God's like, no, it's a journey. We're going to take you on a path. There's, you're going to do some things you, you may have super passion for, and you're going to maybe do some things eh, that are just going to teach you how to get to the things that you have super passion for. But if you're a young, you know, guy or gal, and you're listening to this and you're starting to think, "Mm, I need to rearrange some things in my life, but am I getting burned out? Like, what can we say to them to say, hey, here are some signs that uh, you may be getting burned out and you need to kind of reorganize what's going on in your life? Yeah, I would say uh, just thinking back in my own life, uh, if you're saying no all the time, uh, it probably means you're overwhelmed and, you know, uh, can't, you know, not able to think clearly about the, the, the request that's right in front of you. It's your no as a response to something that happened yesterday and the day before and the day before, not the thing that's right in front of you. Um, I know for me, uh, yeah, just, I, you know, waking up one day and just like not wanting to go to work, um, you know, to take the thing that you're passionate about and then like suddenly you're not passionate at all about it. Okay. What that probably is a sign that I'm burning out uh, or I am burnout. out. Um, I think it, you know, the, You've already said it a little bit, just that there are times, you know, Christmas, Easter, maybe big conference times for you, you know, at your church that, okay, you know, it's time to push hard uh, and there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, But I think, you know, if you're feeling like Christmas just happened and it's uh, February, yeah, you're probably, uh, you know, headed for burnout. You're probably running at a pace that's unsustainable. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah, one word I like to use is boundaries. Mm-hmm. If you look at what you're doing and you don't see any boundaries and you don't feel like you can add boundaries and you feel mm-hmm. like the boundaries are closing in, uh, that's probably a sign that you're heading towards burnout. Um, and what I mean by that is uh, there's a difference between working hard and working all the time. Yeah, And if you just feel like you, you don't like what you're doing and you you, you have to take the call and you have to, you know, you have to, have to, have to, have to's in your conversation. Um, then you may be heading towards burnout. If you um, are able to take a time of rest and come back and feel differently about it, then you're, you're probably in a good place. But if you take a time of rest and you come back and feel the same about it, then there may be uh, some burnout that's yeah. kind of creeping in. That's that's kind of how I try to look at it. I think it's different for everyone, and we're still. Sure. I think we're all still trying to learn this. You know, we're we're sitting here talking, and we've we've all been on the edge of burnout, right? We've all been like, yeah. oh my gosh, what am I doing? I think you even mentioned, you know, Willow Creek there, where you're you're looking for the why, and I think that's a great statement. Like, if you can't attach the why to what you're doing, and understand the reward. To what you're doing, and I'm not talking the spiritual reward that people say, "Oh, well, you're getting people saved." No, what's the reward for you internally? What is uh, pushing you to move mm-hmm. forward, and do you still have that push to move forward? Then, if you don't have that, then burnout may be setting in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's something that it sneaks up on me. I know, and um, yeah, just something that you're all uh, always have to be aware of, like just because of 
you know, what worked yesterday doesn't automatically work today. I even think about my capacity, you know, back in when I first started, I probably had uh, greater capacity, no kids, no, you know, not married. And so I probably, you know, worked a ton. And then what happens is the church got used to me working seven days a week. And so then now I'm like pulling back, which means I'm getting a little bit of pushback, like, oh, well, we were doing this before. Why aren't we doing it now? <laughs> yeah, you normally um, got that done. <laughs> yeah, right. What's the problem? And I think, too, the um, maybe with that, one of the exercises I did that was super helpful for me was I there was a season of maybe a month where I kept track of every 15-minute time period that I worked just so I could document what am I spending my time on um, because, you know, I wasn't totally sure what I was spending my time on. And I think we said it already a little bit, like nobody else knows what you're spending your time on uh, at your church. Like they don't, uh, nobody else knows w what it takes to do what, what we do as technical people. And so to be able to document it and then figure out, okay, this is what I can get done in 40, 45 hours worth of work. So now anything on top of that, we got to figure out how are we going to trim back something else so that we can fit this new thing in. And I think that exercise, number one, it gained trust with my leadership that, okay, here's how I'm spending my time. You know, it's, it's facts. It's not just me feeling like I'm overworked. Um, it actually, it's on paper that, you know, maybe working too hard. And it gave some structure to, hey, a normal week, can, we can get this done. And so what you're talking about is more of an abnormal week. Is that what we want to be doing? Or do we need to trim back something else to make time for this? Um, that was one of the most valuable exercises I did with my leadership at my church to figure out what can we actually expect uh, you know, to get accomplished in a week. Yeah, I, th I think that's a great exercise. I've done that with uh, staff members that have worked for me or I've said, hey, I want you to track for the next two weeks everything you're, that you're doing. I've done that for my boss. That's actually where I got it from. I had my boss come to me one day and say, hey, for the next two weeks, I want you to track, you know, everything that you were doing. And I was on the edge of burnout at the time because I remember my response being, even when I go to the bathroom and uh, I realized <laughs> yeah. as it came out of my mouth, I was like, oh yeah, okay, I need to track some time. <laughs> I, I'm getting a little tense here. Yeah. Um, but what it did is I was able to show him, hey, this is this is what I'm working on. So you can do it for yourself, but then also for your boss or for your leaders. For sure. When you show that to them, every time I've done this with my boss and every time an employee has done it with me, I've looked it over and said, oh my gosh, you're, you're spending 10 hours on this? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, that's something somebody else can do. That's that's something that I, I, you know, I don't think you should do. Never have I had them say, well, that should only take 15 minutes to do that. It's, yeah. it's kind of a realization of, oh, I didn't realize this is what you were working on. I, so I think that's a great, great exercise, Todd, that you just brought up that everybody should do. And if you've never done that, you should do it now. Even if you're not burnt out, you should do it just so right. you understand yeah. what all you're doing in, in, in your life and, and how much flexibility you have for, for the curveballs that are coming. Yeah, I think it was uh, such a – at first when uh, when my boss asked me to keep track of my hours, I was a little bit uh, offended, you know, like, don't you think I'm working enough? Uh, don't you trust me? And, yeah, no, it all comes down to they didn't really know what I was doing in the first place. So, um, yeah, just it, it was so helpful to me um, 
Yeah, and and you know what? The other thing I, it re- made me realize is like there's we could work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and still not get it all done. And so yeah. why not stop at 40, <laughs> 40 hours or 45? Yeah. Well, at least you had a professional response. You didn't say, what, you want me to track the bathroom, (laughs) too? I probably thought it, but uh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. well, Todd, hey, in the beginning, uh, let me me check. Let me me go back to the beginning of the Bible here. No, I'm kidding. Okay. (laughs) So let me change subjects here a little bit. When it all started for you, were you an audio, video, or lighting guy? I'm just curious. Yeah, I was was a mediocre musician, which made me a perfect uh, candidate for an audio to be an audio person. So, uh, so yeah. So audio is your thing. All right. I got a question yeah. for you here. So okay. audio guy. All right. <laughs> this is perfect. Uh, so I have a microphone question. This is, this is inquiring <laughs> okay. minds. Inquiring right. minds want to know. Uh-huh. All right. So have you ever heard of Mr. Methane? Mr. Methane, I have not, no. Sorry, his real name for Mr. Methane is Paul Oldfield. He's a British flatulist or professional farter. Okay, all right. So I'm not making this up, man. You can't make this stuff up. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so this guy claims to be the only performing farter in the world. I can't believe I'm saying farter on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So, Todd, inquiring minds want to know, if you were going out on this guy's world tour, how would you mic him? Oh my gosh. <laughs> How would I mic him? Well, you probably need some kind of close miking <laughs> with a good low end response. <laughs> maybe an RE20 would do that job. And then maybe some sort of, uh, I mean, I'm the, this is so awful. Uh, like, so, know so little about microphones. And then maybe something for, you know, more of an area mic that would, uh, yeah. would pick up some of the um, extra room noise so a couple mics you're thinking <laughs> yeah. a couple mics Maybe right. at least two yeah windscreen or not <laughs> oh my gosh i mean i'm trying to think of like well how do you uh, what do you do with that mic after the performance you gotta like <laughs> how do you you gotta sanitize it or something yeah it's a definitely a windscreen probably right yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah pop filter <laughs> <laughs> yeah pop for sure pop filter windscreen yeah oh, all right goodness. so enough of this, enough of this nonsense all right so you started as an audio guy in this stage of life, though, do you prefer talking about tech uh, or do, you know, in doing audio or um, do, you, do you lean a little bit more on the leadership side? Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, so. I kind of uh, started off as an audio person and then just through the course of my experience, uh, the church that I started working for out of college, I went from audio to live video directing and video shooting and editing post-production and then I moved into lighting and scenic. And so then after I went through all those, then I uh, focused mostly on uh, on the leadership side, which felt very weird to me because it was not, um, it didn't involve like, do, it didn't feel like doing things. Um, it was, you know, a little bit uh, less structured in that way. But in all those areas, I learned enough to get the job done that was in front of me. Um, and then once that job was done, I had, uh, I usually would stop, um, learning more or going any deeper with that subject. Um, and so I usually tell people I'm super mediocre at lots of things. Um, I can do almost anything. If you, if you put me behind a lighting console, I could figure it out. Uh, I understand the concepts, same with video, but, uh, and audio, but yeah, mostly, um, it comes for me. Uh, this is maybe a longer uh, explanation than it needs to be, but 
there was when I wasn't doing audio, there was nothing like getting the perfect mix. You know, it happened so infrequently when it all sort of came together and you could hear it, um, you know, in a service. And when I stopped mixing audio on a regular basis, I thought, well, I'm really going to miss that. But then live video directing has a similar kind of, you know, when the shots are happening at the right time and and you're communicating, you know, you're telling that story well, like there's nothing quite like that. And then when I stopped doing that, I'm like, wow, I'm really going to miss that. <laughs> and then lighting, same thing, you know, like the perfect lighting look at the right moment. And, you know, there's nothing quite like that. And when I stopped doing that, I, same thing. And what turns out for me is that leading a team, a production team, and seeing everybody come together to make something that not one of us could do alone and seeing people thrive at that, that is my new perfect mix situation. Um, I just love it uh, watching teams of people, uh, yeah, pull off amazing productions together. So, um, and I know so very little about the technology side of it now uh, that, you know, even at talking about which kind of mics to use, I mean, RE20 is just one I remember from way back when I was doing it. Uh, anyway. Uh, well, you know what's interesting is, um you know, I, I, I think I leave lead, lead, if I can say the right word. I think I lead to the leadership side, lean to the leadership side now. Um, but what's interesting on the tech side is some of the old school tech stuff that has been forgotten uh, is still critical in today's world of doing tech. So it, it's very, it's interesting to me how, you know, back in the 90s, we talked about the 90s earlier in the early 2000s, how it was really pushed, like having some musical background really helps with video directing. And then I yeah. see young video directors come in that have no musical background and they're like, I don't understand why I can't get the rhythm or feel the band or understand it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of those old school tech things kick in. We're like, well, here's some musical things you could do that can help you with your art. And so I do think that some of the old school tech that we we have in our heads rattling around there for the last 20 or 30 years is helpful uh, to the younger generation as we lead now. I think just, you know, we've gotten to an age now where I think leadership in the church is, is more of, of the role that we're, we're fulfilling. Um, but for me, I've just, I've gotten a lot out of your book and I want to talk about your book a little bit. I okay. have it sitting right <laughs> here, but it's called, um, I love Jesus, but I hate Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's an interesting title. You, you yep. got to tell me. I don't think I've ever asked you this. Where did you come up with <laughs> yeah. the title? Oh, well, this is a very weird story. Um, but the so uh, the book uh, took me about 15 years to write. Uh, so starting there, uh, just like writing it, writing it, writing it. Uh, but the um, when it came time to pick the title, um, you know, there I had, a, you know, a, a Google document that was just full of title options. And this one was on the list from the very beginning. I love Jesus, but I hate Christmas. But it was um, something that um, came from someone else. So uh, if we go back far enough, uh, I was still working at the church in Michigan, and we were doing a Christmas party, a staff Christmas party. And the youth department was responsible for the fun we were going to have at this Christmas party. And one of the fun things they had planned was they had uh, somebody got up on stage and talked about, hey, a lot of our staff have written books, and here's the title of those books. And so they were all funny and just a big joke. And so the book that I wrote, and I actually still have the book 
uh, they made a cover for it and everything was I love Jesus, but I hate Christmas. Um, and it got a huge laugh. And um, yeah, just uh, it's been in the back of my head ever since. And so when it came time to pick the book, I reached out to this particular, uh, he's not a youth pastor anymore, but I'm like, hey, are you okay if I use this title? Because I think it says so much of, of how we feel. You know, it's like I sort of lost the meaning of Christmas because I'm working uh, so hard. Uh, I still love Jesus, but, you know, I'm not a huge fan of this Christmas thing. So um, anyway, yeah, that's where <laughs> that's where the name came from. Well, it's a great book. I, I got to ask you, what chapter meant the most to you? Oh, what chapter meant the most? I think the uh, I don't know specifically uh, that it's one chapter, but the very f- the first section of the book is about how we think about ourselves as technical artists in the local church. So even the word artist, I talk about just that I used to define it as other people were artists. So you're a musician, you're a dancer, you're a actor, you're a painter. You know th- those are artists, but. The reality is that all of us are artists in some way. Something we're we're an artist of something, and so for me, uh, I think I just said it. I'm an artist of being mediocre at everything, which makes me a, a really good production uh, leader. Um, and so uh, that whole first section is about just redefining how you think about yourself. I'm not just pushing buttons or faders, or but I'm a part of this thing and who I am who God has created me to be is part of how I show up as a technical artist. So um, I think for me that that was a new way of thinking for me that really changed how I go about doing uh, production in the local church. And so I guess that that's sort of my favorite part of the book. Yeah. I mean, I think we think very similar. I, I like to say that the tools that we work with are instruments of worship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we look at the worship leader, he's got a guitar up there or a piano and say, that's an instrument of worship. And we forget that the sound console that we're working on, that we're mixing on is also an instrument of worship. We're a technical artist in, in how we do things. We are an artist, but we're also working with instruments. These microphones are instruments of worship without them. They wouldn't be able to play their guitars. They wouldn't be able to do some of those things. And so I think, you know, I think everything we do is to glorify God with our instruments that we are given. And in our case, we're not behind the scenes people. We are the scene. We're actually creating the scene with our instruments of worship, which is, you know, the cameras and the lighting consoles, the audio consoles and so on and so forth. Those buttons are the same as tuning a guitar. It's, you know, I mean, quite literally now, even with waves, that is what you're doing (laughs) on your console. (laughs) Right. Uh, It is an instrument. Um, We are an artist. So I think that's, that's a great, um, a great way of phrasing it. Yeah. And I think too, you know, just even, you know, some people are artists at uh, soldering cables. That's not my thing. Some people have a great ear for music. Um, and they should be, you know, yeah, mixing. Some don't, but understand how the console works. Maybe there's, maybe they shouldn't be mixing, but, you know, helping repair stuff. Um, I think, yeah, everybody has something that they're, you know, God has given them a gift in. And so how can we, how can each of us leverage that for, for his kingdom? Yeah. yeah, I agree. So I, I'm going to give a shameless promo here. If you're a technical artist, a pastor, worship leader, or just someone who wants to learn and better yourself, you got to get your hands on this book. It's uh, it's called I Love Jesus, 
but I hate Christmas. It tackles the challenges of being a church technical artist. Um, but I personally feel that it helps everyone understand and develop when it comes to being a better leader. So for example, the chapter, if you can do it, do it. If you can't, don't. It just has some great (laughs) statements and just some great statements there. Like don't say it's impossible and then turn around and do it (laughs) or give yourself time to think. Don't respond immediately with a negative. Those are just some of the one-liners out of this book um, that I feel are life statements. Um, They're not just statements that apply only to a technical artist. So be sure to secure this book. You can get it at philo.org, right? Yep. So uh, the, uh, if you're getting just a copy for yourself, you can go to Amazon, and we have it all the different ways there. Um, but the if you, for me, the, the most important thing about the book is that there are discussion chapter uh, discussion questions at the end of every chapter, which are great ways to start the conversation with your team. And so if you're looking to go through this with your team on our website, follow.org/book, I think you can get ten or more copies at a discount. So. Um, yeah, just we're the goal is to try to make as many uh, church production technical artists and the teams as effective as possible. And so, um, yeah, I just feel like the book is a great way of doing that. I I read it by myself, and it's a great, it's a it's a good read, even if you're doing it by yourself. But like Todd said, it it is designed to incorporate the team into the book and to kind of bring the team together and help them understand some of the things that are going on. Uh, as a technical artist and how to how to navigate those. Um, I also wanted to tell everybody that I'm I'm giving away uh, one of the books for free. I'm not giving away my book, um, <laughs> but I'm going to give away one of these books oh, nice. for free. Yeah. So all you have to do is text uh, AVL to 22828. So that's the letters AVL. Uh, text it to 22828. And uh, I'll give away this book for free. Again, not my copy. <laughs> You're not going to get a used, you'll get a brand new copy, but, um, cause I like, I like the book. I've read it several times oh, and, uh, nice. really appreciate Thanks. you writing it, Todd. It, um, I think it was very helpful and, um, and taking the time to do that. I think you've helped a lot of technical artists, uh, including myself and some of the things that I do today, I wouldn't be able to do them as effectively if it wasn't for this book. So I really oh, appreciate thanks. you writing it, Todd. Yeah, I feel like there's a, you know, there's an owner's manual for everything that we work with, uh, but there's no owner's manual to how to be a tech person in the local church. And so that's really how I've been thinking about it. It's like, how do, how do we do this effectively? Yeah, I mean, there's gear and, and uh, skill development that, that we all need, but the, our hearts and how we go about doing those things is what really matters. And so that's really what the, the book is about. Yeah, well, you you mentioned it. It drives community. It has discussion questions uh, that really help bring the team together. But, I, you know, I think it's also important for us to visit with other technical artists. Mm, for sure. And uh, your current passion, what you're doing with Philo. Um, let's talk that just for a second. Where is Philo this year? Um, what are the dates? How do we get tickets? Like, how do technical artists come together? Where's it at? Give me some of that information on Philo. Yep. So uh, this year, this coming year, so 2023, uh, it'll be May 2nd and 3rd. Um, and we're, uh, we'll be in the Chicagoland area again this year. And uh, yeah, the, the goal really with that event is to yeah provide community, uh, we have uh, 
tons of breakout classes that are taught by people who are actually doing work in the local church. So they're not uh, necessarily manufacturers or trying to sell a particular piece of gear, but like I do this on Sunday and this is how I do it. And so you're learning from the best of the best there. And then uh, our main sessions are really a chance hopefully to inspire. So like everything we do is geared towards the technical artists. So I don't know about you, but I've been to a million events where I feel like they're talking to someone else, not to me. Uh, And I'm usually working it, which is also probably why I feel that way. But this is, you get to sit in a seat, you get to be a regular person, you don't have to worry about anything. We do all the work, uh, hopefully without distraction, and you get just to receive. Uh, Receive great messages, uh, participate in worship like a normal person. Um, And so, yeah, the the goal really is to... um, be in a room full of people that get that get you, and um, that's really what Philo is. And what's also great about it is you get to sit in the seat and worship. I mean, how many times do technical artists, we're always behind, and I know we're worshiping with our instruments, and yeah, I mean, what we're doing is worship, but how many times, we talk about Sabbath days and rest and whatever, I think Philo is a great opportunity to kind of almost check your brain out, connect with the Lord, Raise your hands, get into your quiet place, sit down, however you worship. Uh, it's it's a good opportunity for that to happen because you guys do worship on stage, um, on the platform for everybody in the audience. Uh, and and I've, I've, people have told me it's just it's just a great opportunity to disconnect um, from what you're doing at your church and actually worship with the Lord. I think that's one uh, probably key difference between Philo and other technical conferences is that you, yeah. you tie that in really well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been, I don't know that we started uh, on purpose uh, from that place, but just watching year after year, like I would say uh, I used to give a pep talk to the worship team to say, okay, now these are all tech people. And so they're all going to have their arms folded and they're going to be looking at the lights and, you know, listening for the mix and distracted big time. And it's going to take them some time to come out of that shell. Um, and the reality is that the longer we've been doing it, the, the less time that seems to take. You know, people who have been before know that, hey, I'm showing up and I can't wait for this part. Um, and so, yeah, just there's nothing quite like hearing. I would say we're 80 percent of our audience is male. Uh, to hear that many dudes singing, full voice, hands in the air—I mean, there's nothing quite like it. So, well, if you if you find yourself saying, "I don't know what other churches are doing," I don't know how other guys and gals do this. I need to understand the the community of technical arts. I need to be in community. I think Philo's a great place for you to attend. And so, let me give you those dates again. And Todd, correct me if I'm wrong, but Philo. 2023 is May 2nd and 3rd in yep. Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yep. You can get the tickets by going to philo.org. Correct. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. And if you're a technical if you're a technical artist, this conference is a must. They have breakout sessions on audio, video, lighting systems, leadership, and creative. So they they cover the full gamut of where you're at as either a technical artist, and I would almost say as even a worship pastor, you could attend this conference and get something out of it and kind of understand, you know, understand your technical artist a little bit better. Right, for sure. The general sessions, uh, Todd hinted at that a little bit, but I'm going to tell you they are power packed with exciting speakers that will change your perspective and help you be a better person. 
leader, and technical artist. So make sure you go to philo.org to secure your tickets today. Again, that's philo, F-I-L-O dot org. Todd, man, it was awesome having you on the Tech Arts Podcast. Yeah, Thank you so much for being here, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun to, uh, yeah, we don't hang out that often anymore. So uh, it was good to spend some time together. I'll never forget when you took me to uh, lunch up there in the Chicago land area. And I, I was thinking Dallas was the biggest place in the world. And then I went to Chicago <laughs> yeah. and I was like, holy cow, this place is huge. Willow <laughs> Creek is an amazing facility. And Todd, he took the time to show me everything and kind of breathe into my life. And uh, I'll never forget that, Todd. So maybe I can return the favor if you're in Dallas or if I'm up there in Chicago, I'll definitely take you out to lunch. But again, yeah, perfect. thank you for coming on. Thank you for the wisdom. Thank you for being who you are, man. I, I don't know if people tell you this, but you, um, you were an inspiration to me. And I know you're an inspiration to a lot of technical artists and God has really placed a hand on your life and you're really helping. I've said really 18 times now because it's true. You are really helping technical artists be better people. And I just want to thank you for that. I don't know if anybody oh, said that saying. to you recently, but thank you for being who you are and what you're doing. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah. I'm, I, I think for me, I'm, uh, I think I said it way in the back at the beginning that so much of this is based on the things that I need in my own life. And and the, if I need community, if I need to get better at my skill, if I need to be inspired, probably other people do too. And if I can help do those things for people, then that's what I want to be about. So yeah, just thanks for saying those words. I appreciate it. Todd, you are appreciated and you are an inspiration to all of us. Let me leave you guys with this. Just because you are the first one in and the last one out doesn't mean you have to be lonely in this endeavor and be the only one in and the only one out. It's time to start doing tech together and finding our community. There is a group of people who know your struggles and can help you be a better technical artist. Philo is one of those organizations that helps you find community and take the next step as a leader, all while staying on top of the latest, greatest, and coolest gear blogs, books, podcasts, resources, and coaching. Philo is much more than just a conference. Go to philo.org today. You won't regret it. I can't wait to talk to you on the next Tech Arts Podcast. I'm David Leuschner signing off by wishing you a great day and praying God blesses every moment of your week. See you soon. You have been listening to the Tech Arts Podcast, presented by Digital Great Commission Ministries. DGCM is a 501c3 nonprofit that was started to help churches with all things technical. Whether you need help building a team, finding the right gear, or just a better understanding of the church tech world, DGCM is here for you. Find out more about our free on-site visits, reports, and consulting by going to audiovideolighting.com. Digital Great Commission Ministries will help you run your church service like a pro. Find out more at audiovideolighting.com. Oh,